Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for all that you have done in this place. I just pray, Lord God, that you just bring a word directly from your throne, oh God. Pierce our hearts this morning, oh God. Transform us through your word, oh God, and let us grow. Let us draw nearer to you. Let us learn from you, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name, and together we all say, amen. Well, today I want to give you the title right off the bat. It's Purpose in Your Process. Purpose in Your Process. If you're taking down notes, hopefully you are somewhere taking down notes Uh, It's proven that when you write down notes, you remember things a lot more. So uh, purpose in your process. I want to let you know right off the bat that as I share this message with you, it comes directly from my experience. Um, For the last couple years now, I've been going through a process that God has been dealing with me. I don't know if you're in the same boat or if you understand what I'm trying to say, but an area where God is just dealing with you, working with you, showing you, and teaching you. Well, I've been in an area in my life for about two, almost three years now of, of a process with God. And I thank him because in the midst of this process, I know that there is a greater purpose. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about that this morning. I'm going to look at a, a scripture that we are all very familiar with. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 through 32. You can turn there. We won't start there. I'm going to give you a brief introduction and then we'll jump right into it. God is a planner. God plans. We know that. In scripture, we know that God has tremendous plans. It's, it's written. It's there. And we know that he is a planner. I believe and as I look at scripture that his plans consist of three things. And I want you to write these three things down because we're going to talk about them. These three things are provision. God gives us provision. Amen. He takes us through a process. That's the second one, a process. And the last one for his purpose. Those are the three things that consist of. So let's jump into verse 22 and look at these three things here. Verse 22 in the book of Matthew chapter 14, it says, Immediately Jesus made, and that word made means to insist and to overly control. That's who Jesus was. He made them. He didn't ask them. He made them. The disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, as you look at the scripture and you, you read it, what do you see there that God has provided for them? What was, what was provided for them? You can answer. The boat. The boat was provided. There is the provision. Now, what was that provision for? What was the purpose for that boat? So that they can what? Go to the other side. There was a purpose. Now, the process is missing. The process is missing. And I don't know if you are an individual that understands that God sometimes gives us the provision and the purpose, but the process is sometimes missing, and it's unknown, and it's unclear. So the process is something that they are not aware of, but we are. What does God use from the beginning? If you look at the beginning of the story and the end of the story, what does God use in their lives to produce something? What is it? The what? The storm. The storm. The storm is their process. 
You know, when I think of a process, I, I don't like thinking of a storm. I would rather think like a walk in a valley and a nice walk on the beach and a stroll with Jesus, you know, tiptoeing on lilies and jumping around and, and enjoying the presence and basking in God's presence. But sometimes, somebody say sometimes, sometimes our process is a storm. And usually when you look at process and purpose, there's a huge difference between those two. The purpose is known and it's defined, but our process may be unknown. And that may be frustrating to us. But I want to let you know to hold on because at the end of time, God will reveal all things and everything has a purpose. Now, in the process, just because it might be unknown, it does not mean that God is absent. Just because you don't know what you're going through and the process may seem like a storm, it does not mean that God is absent. Let me show you an example here because in reality, our process will challenge us and strengthen us. Our, challenge will ch our process will challenge us and strengthen our faith. Now, how many married people do we have in the house of God? Married people. Let me see your hands. Raise both hands if you're happily married. That means that you raise them up now. Both hands straight up in the air. Don't leave one up. Hallelujah. Now, in a marriage, what is your provision? Your spouse. Right? And our purpose is to what? At least my purpose is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Now the process to accomplish that, my friend. I heard Tito go, <laughs> How many parents do we have in the house? Parents. You know what your provision was, right? Your children. That's your provision. Your purpose is to raise God-fearing children. But the process in that, somebody just said, oh, <laughs> we have, <laughs> and we have, oh, so, just to show you that the process of things is sometimes not easy. Let's look at our careers. God gives, gives us a provision in our ability and our purpose is to be financially stable, but to accomplish that. There's a process. We must trust and obey God in our process. Always trusting and obeying in God. I look at the story and, and surprisingly, you see this story and, and Jesus literally sends them into the storm. He doesn't protect them from the storm. He doesn't stop them from the storm. He doesn't warn them from the storm. He nicely and gently controls the situation, and sends them into the storm. When he has plans for us, he will throw us into the storm. When he has plans for us, he will throw us into the process. You know, when I was younger, you know, in today's day and age, this, you might be arrested for this, but, you know, when we grew up, things were different. We drunk from hoses, and just life was different. You know, it wasn't the way it is in today's day and age. Like back in the day, I remember when um, I wanted to learn how to swim. You know, I, I don't know. When I wanted my daughter to swim, I, I rented a, a guard, a lifeguard. And they came to my house. And, you know, they were so nice. They even applied sunscreen to my daughter. I mean, they were great, man. They were awesome. But when I started to swim, you know how they taught me how to swim? They threw me in the water. 
But my father was standing right next to the pool. And he knew that if I could not swim, he would jump in and save me. Come on, did you get that revelation this morning? He sends them into the storm. I want to let you know that if you're sent, you're more than able to accomplish whatever it is that God has set before you today in your process. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. You know, when you're in the storm and you're in the process, there's a couple things I want you to remember this morning. Three things real briefly that I want you to remember. That God will never let you down. God will never let you down in the midst of your process. He will never, number two, he will never push you past your limits. God will never push you past your limits. And the last one, he will help you get through it. In the midst of your process, in the midst of your storm, he will help you get through it. It was of no surprise to Jesus that his disciples would run into problems. It was not of surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen in the lives of the disciples. And he sent them in there. So I, I would like to tell us today to not be surprised when we are faced with storms and a process we may not understand. That we may not understand. Storms should not be strange but expected in the lives of a believer. It should be expected. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 says this. Dear friends, do not be... Somebody shout that out. Do not be... At the fiery ordeals, because sometimes our process seems... It looks like there are a bunch of ordeals going on. There are just a bunch of things going on. That has come to you too test you as though something strange were happening to you. Listen, the only way, the only way God can accomplish his purpose is through the process. It's the only way. The only way God can accomplish his purpose is through his process. There are things that you will learn about yourself and things that you will learn about God in the midst of your process. Your process has the power to teach when you're going through the process, it has the mighty power to teach you. And look, the most greatest example in Scripture for, for teaching and for learning is Jesus. And Jesus, as he walked on this earth and had his process to come to this earth, walk this earth, to go to the cross, to hang on the cross, to resurrect from the grave, there was a process there. And what did he teach us in the midst of his process? Well, in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, 7, we will not turn there. Jesus taught us, number one, how to pray. When you are in your process, you need to learn how to pray. A process will, will drag you down to your knees. If you know what I'm talking about, shake your head. I know what you're talking about. When there is a process and a storm that the only thing you could do is fall to your knees, lift your hands, and weep unto the Lord because you do not have, uh, you, 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 do, you just don't know where to go and what to do. It will take you to your knees and it will teach you to pray. And Jesus taught us that as he prayed many times in Scripture as he was going through his process. 
Number two, in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we won't turn there, but briefly, number two, the second thing that Jesus teaches us is how to fast. When's the last time you fasted in the midst of your storm? When's the last time you've come before the Lord and you said, Lord God, I'm dedicating this to you. Father God, I'm, I'm, I'm just humbled before your presence and I'm just going to sacrifice something, something right now, Lord God, physical, Lord God, for the eternal, so that I can see your face clear, Lord God, so I can concentrate on you, Lord God. So when I'm starving, I can starve for you. How many people know what I'm talking about? So number two is that he taught us how to fast. And number three in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 12 you could refer to this later and look back at your notes as you study the sermon today. Jesus taught us how to seek God. Jesus taught us how to seek God. So the three things that are taught to us in the midst of our process through the life of Jesus is to pray, to fast, and to seek God. So today if you're going through a process, a storm that is taking you by a whirlwind and you don't know where to look, you don't know where to go, I'm here to tell you to pray, to fast, and to seek God because there is a purpose behind what he is doing. While you are in your process, you know, there's a verse that God gave me about three years ago. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. And this is a verse that I want to share with you because it's a verse that I think that you could you could use, you could have in your, in your roller decks of needed verses. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10, it says this, do not fear. Man, do not fear. Do you know what the disciples were about to face? No es fácil. It was not going to be easy. It was not going to be easy. And there are times when we face our process and we are in the middle of the storm that we are terrified and that we are fearful because we don't know what to do. Here's a verse for you today in the book of Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. So do not, be, do not fear, number one, for I am with you. For I am with you. Listen, God is with you. He is for you. He is not against you. Who shall prosper against you? God is with you. That's a tremendous promise this morning. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. When God declares that he is your God, that is powerful where you could stand in the face of the enemy and say, he is my God. That is powerful. That is something that you could declare and stand behind and say, he is my God, Satan. He is my God. You could stand behind them and say, yeah, him, he is it. If you want to come against me, you got to go through him first. He is my God. He is my God. And then he says, I will strengthen you. Man. In the midst of that storm, it says that I, he will strengthen me. If you ever feel weak, man, you can find your strength in Jesus. The next one, I will help you. Listen, when I'm going, I've, I see myself out of the process that took three years. I, I, I see myself exiting and, and I look back and, and when I thought he wasn't there, he was always there. Hindsight, right? 
when I'm out of it and I look back, I thought that I was all alone and I was helpless. But I know now that God with me, that he was for me, that he was strengthening me, and that he was helping me. And it says, I will uphold you. Listen, tell your spirit today, he upholds me. He upholds me. He lifts me up. He lifts me up with my right hand, it says. I want you to think of a moment in your life where God was with you, that he declared that he was God, that he strengthened you. I want you to think of a moment right now, and you're probably thinking about it right now, that he helped you and that he upheld you. Think of that moment. Maybe it was once. Maybe it was more than once. But think about the time that he was with you and God was faithful in all these things. Think about it. Now give him praise for it because he is good. Give him a clap offering this morning because he was with you. Amen. So today, as, as I go through the sermon, I'm going to dive in now, and we're going to talk about five things in our storm, five things. And they're going to go briefly, I promise you, because I know that we've been here for a little bit. Number one, the process could be dark. Oh, man, the process could be dark. We're going to read verses 23 through 25. It says this, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, verse 24. And the boat was already considerably distanced from land, buffeted, tossed, some translations say, by the waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25 is what I want to focus on. Shortly before dawn, the fourth watch, Jesus went out to them and walking on the lake. Now, the fourth watch was the darkest of moments of the night. And, and I thank God because Jesus shows up in our most darkest of moments. In the most darkest moments of your life, Jesus shows up. You know, I, I thank the Lord that Jesus isn't scared of the dark. And I praise the Lord that there is nothing that I can do that God can't heal and God can't touch and God can't work out. I thank the Lord this morning that when I was at my darkest, he came to my rescue. I thank the Lord that when I was lost, he found me. I thank the Lord that when my mind was running rampant on me and I, and I, and I couldn't think right, and, and there are moments where I lose my mind and, and my sense of, of, of stability that God says, come back to me, and he, and he works in my mind and he brings me right back. I thank the Lord that in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners at our darkest of moments Christ died for me I thank the Lord that when I was lost to that degree God said go down there and save my child because I love him I thank God for that this morning our most darkest of times when we were lost without Jesus and and when we had no hope of avoiding God's judgment Jesus took it for us when we couldn't avoid judgment Jesus took it for us. But in today's day and age, we have some dark moments in our lives. Moments where we feel that Jesus is not with us. Moments where we can't feel him or we can't hear him. I want to let you know that these are just feelings, not facts. That the enemy is a liar. That God is with you. He is God Emmanuel. He is with you. He is with you. Tell yourself today, he is with me. In the middle of your storm, he is with you. You might be saying, Pastor, this storm that I'm going through, it is dark. He's not scared of the darkness. He will reach you wherever you are at. He will be there in the very midst of the darkness because he is Jesus and he is light. 
I'm going to say this statement real slowly, and I want you to write it down this morning. It says this, the Lord does not free us from the process. The Lord does not free us from the process. He doesn't free us from it. He delivers us in the process. He delivers us in the process. What does that mean? That the night may be dark, the storm will be raging, the seas will be overwhelming, the boat may seem to be sinking, all hope may seem to be gone, but step by step, he draws near with his mighty saving power. Step by step, he reveals himself. Point number two, the process may be scary. Somebody say scary. <laughs> it may be scary. Let's read verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were scared. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Look at the reaction that the disciples give. Look at the reaction that the disciples are giving forth that they were terrified. The storm had caused them to not see right anymore. The storm had caused them to think differently now. And, and as you're going through your storm, I want to let you know that it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. It's how you react to what happens to you that matters. Because things are going to happen to us. Man, it's, it's going to seem like the world's going to fall apart in your life. But how do you react to that is the question. Now, knowing that these are disciples, they should respond in a different way. But they didn't. They should have said, hallelujah, it's you. They should have said, I've been waiting for you, master. They should have. But they allowed fear to trouble their souls. Now, today, I... I say a strong statement to you here today and a strong challenge to not let your fear overtake your faith in the process. Do not let your fear overtake your faith in the process. Fear and faith are incompatible. They do not go together. They cannot go together. You cannot be full of faith and full of fear at the same time. I've never seen it happen in my life. Never in my life, and in 20-something years of pastoring, I've never seen an individual where I, t I can tell them, man, you're so full of faith, and at the same time say, you're so full of fear. I've never seen that before in my life. It's either or. It's either you're full of faith or you're full of fear. And, and God calls us to be full of what? Full of faith. Fear is nasty. Fear is terrible. Fear is one of those things that more than anything else can hold you back from serving God. I believe that. I've seen that. Fear can hold you back from serving God. I've seen that with my very own eyes. You know, I, I, I think that when you think of fear in our lives, it creates what-if moments when you want to serve the Lord. Like you tell yourself, what if it doesn't work? What if they criticize me? What if no one supports me? The what ifs in our lives. Fear does that. Fear does that. Fear will cause you to stay in a sinking boat rather than stepping out in faith. And experiencing God in a whole new different way. It will prevent you from that. Experiencing God in a, in a supernatural way. Where you know that nothing natural can happen good out of this, but God has to be all over it in order for it to be God. 
Point number three. We're moving along. The process will bring you revelation. Yes. The process will bring you revelation. Let's look at scripture. But Jesus immediately said to them, immediately said to them, take courage, number one. It is I, number two. And don't be afraid, number three. He will always reveal himself through his word. Jesus gave them three statements that I want to briefly touch up on. It says to take courage. One thing is certain, he didn't tell them that the storm was not real. That's not the case. People that are afraid need courage. Fear is a prerequisite of courage. In order for you to be courageous, you had to have been what? Fearful. And God says, take courage. Now, when I, I hear that word courage, as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I, I really said, Lord God, give me something practical, God. Something in my life that I can give as a definition. And this is my definition of my life in regards to courageous, to being courage. When you're scared, frightened, and terrified, but you still keep going. But you still keep going. When you're scared, this is very practical, this is my definition. When you're scared, when you're frightened, when you're terrified, but you could still move forward. That is what being courageous is. The second statement he says, he says, it is I. Now, this is an amazing declaration. This is Jesus declaring his deity in the midst of a storm. It's revelation. It's the same verbiage used in John when he says, I am the bread of life. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he says before Abraham, it is I am, it's the same wording that he's using, declaring that he is the Savior. He is what God sent for humanity. It's declaring his deity. That means that when the storm is raging, when the boat's about to sink, when the sails are torn down, when your husband's not acting right, when your children have gone crazy, like when your finances aren't the way it is, he says, it is I. I am your healer. I am your restorer. I am the God who's there. It is I, he says. So in the middle of your process, God is saying, it is I. I am there. It is revelation of who serves, who you serve and who you honor. It is God. And then the last statement is, don't be afraid. I, I love this because we talked about being fearful, right? And he says, don't be afraid. In the middle of your process, don't be scared. Now, Jesus didn't tell him to go to the middle of the lake and sink. He didn't say that. As a matter of fact, the plan was to go and cross over. Look over to the person next to you and tell them we're going over. <laughs> we're going over. We're going over, man. You know, I, I believe with everything that I have this morning that if he told them that they would do it, he would enable them to do it. That if, if Jesus says we're going over, then going under is not an option. Going under is not an option. Point number four, moving right along. The process can be challenging. Man, it could be challenging. How many people are going through a process, maybe, or who have gone through a process that has been challenging in your life? 
Maybe you've had every single point already checked off in your life, and that's okay. He's with you. Praise the Lord. It says this, verse 28 through 29. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I want to let you know this morning, just be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. Because with every, every, every asking of God, a response will be needed. Because if you ask of God, guess what? He's going to be faithful. And he's going to do it. But then what are you going to do? So be careful what you ask for. Lord God, open my heart so that I can serve in this area. Be careful. Be careful. Because you're going to see yourself in a situation where, listen to what he says. He says, tell me to come. And then he says, come. Jesus says, come. Now, Jesus didn't go to the boat and help, oh, Peter, look, lift up your leg here and go over the boat. Like, the, the winds were storming. The rain was coming down. This was a storm. A storm was taking place. And Jesus says, come. It's simple, right? Come. No, it's not simple. It's crazy. It's crazy. He said to Peter, he said, and then Peter got down from the boat, walked in the water, and came towards Jesus. While miracles come from God, it is up to us to take the initiative. You know, Peter had to make the move. And for some of you here this morning, you got to make a move and walk towards Jesus this morning. It's about making a move. It's about stepping in faith and walking towards what God has for you. This morning, God is speaking to your spirit and he's telling you today, move, come, come, come. You know, miracles in most parts of scripture deal with individuals who take a step of faith. God gives them a command, they do it, and then God shows off. Praise the Lord for that. Glory to God. But many times in our lives, we miss out on the miracles of God because we don't take the step of faith. Because we rather stay on the boat, in the safe zone. Somebody say safe zone. Safe zone. I have a picture for you this morning because God wants us to put ourselves in a position where God can do something extraordinary. And there was a time where we were in Haiti in a missions trip. And um, when I went to Haiti, Haiti for me was a frustrating place. It was frustrating. And I'll tell you why. The dialect was very hard to understand. Um, you know, there were places that we've gone to like Brazil where the dialect, by the time you leave there, you feel like you have the gift of interpretation of tongues because it's Spanish kind of. And you know that you don't even have to wait for the translator to talk in, in Brazil. I loved it. But in Haiti, it was different because not only their dialect was hard, but the dialect that the interpreter would use to talk in English of the translation was hard because it was, it was Haitian English. So it was, it was difficult. It was, it was hard. It was, it was with an accent and it was difficult. So at one point of the mission trip, I was, we were in an outreach in Tent City when, when the earthquake hit and everybody was living in tents. It was a disaster, a horrible disaster. We went to, 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 to bring some relief over there. And there was a woman with a baby. And I remember the Lord telling me, go pray for her. And I remember myself saying, no, Lord, 
I'm frustrated. It's, it's just too much. I, I'm going to go over there and not understand her. And then I have to get a translator. Translate. I was frustrated. We all get frustrated. Uh, we're human beings. And I'm like, no, Lord, no. To the end of the day that I gave up to the Lord, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to do what you say. So I walked up to this lady and with the translator. And I started speaking, and then the lady started talking Spanish. Praise the Lord. She was Dominican. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so sorry. But the point of the story is that I encountered this young lady here. This young lady here. It's going to come up now here real quick for you. You see that young lady here? She had that massive, massive, massive mass in her cheek. And the Lord said, pray for her for healing. So I, I, I surrendered to the Lord, and I said, Lord God... I mean, I've seen you lift people up from wheelchairs. I've seen you give sight to the blind. I've seen you do so many things, God, that I'm going to pray for her. So I prayed for her. And then we have another picture here. The next day, there she is. That was the next day. I say this to express to you that God is the one who works. We are the ones that just have to position ourselves in a place where God can do something extraordinary. It's people that want to get out of the boat. It's people that don't stay back. It's people that even though you're fighting yourself to do it, you do it anyways. People tell me all the time, Pastor, it's just that I don't want to do it. I tell them, so? I don't care. God doesn't care either. No, I don't, I don't want to do that. Just, just be obedient. Just do it. And let's see what God does. And 100% of the time, God shows up, reveals himself, and the person's like, Pastor, I don't know what I was thinking. I should have wanted to do it the whole time. It happens all the time. All the time. Verse 30, it says this. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. I want to let you know that God hears your cry. Your Lord save me moves him. It moves him. Jesus hadn't taken a step until he heard, save me. How awesome is that? Maybe God needs to hear those words from you today. Lord, save me. And it'll move him. It'll move him. We're always going to believe in something. We're either going to believe in the power of God or the power of the storm. That's, what, that's the bottom line. We're either going to believe one or the other one. He failed to keep his eyes on Jesus, and he considered the circumstances. Us, like Peter, consider the circumstances many times instead of the Christ. Many times. We look at the circumstances above Christ. It happens all the time. You know, Peter had two words from God through Jesus to go to the other side and to come walk on water. Both of these words from Jesus guaranteed that he would get through. Yet he still doubted. He still doubted. My last point, and it's my favorite point, and if I can have somebody up here helping me out. The process is an intimate moment, an intimate moment. This is my favorite part of the story, my favorite part. Scripture says, but when he saw the wind, 
he was afraid and began to sink. Cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. And what did he do? He caught him. And then Jesus uses every single moment to teach us something. And he says this, you of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And this is where I want you to focus. And when they climbed back into the boat, right, the wind died down. So that means that prior to that, the wind was going and howling and moving and it was raining and it was just a crazy situation. So I want to kind of like come down here to, to just get a little closer just to to share my heart with you because this is my favorite part of the scripture and I want it to be your favorite part of the scripture too this morning so that you can hear what's, what's going to happen here. The Bible says that Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. That means that he literally walked on water. You believe that, right? I believe that with everything that I have today in my heart. I believe that at that very moment, Peter walked on the water. I believe that with everything that I have. That means that he walked on water and he left the boat behind. You believe that, right? He left the boat behind. He walked on water. And something happened. He considered the circumstances. He noticed the wind. He noticed the rain. And if we as individuals do the same thing in the middle of our process, we're going to lose our vision here. We're going to defocus ourselves from, from the matter. But it says this, that as he was drowning, he said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And it says that he reached out and he grabbed his hand. And when he grabbed his hand, it says immediately they got on the boat. How, how did they get back on the boat? Hmm. What happened? Now that thing that Peter could not do on his own, which was walk on water. Now Jesus picks Peter up and holding his hand. Now they walk together back to the boat. They walk back together. So that thing, that thing that Peter could not do on his own strength with Jesus, he was able to do it. What an intimate moment he had with Jesus. A moment where he was hand in hand with the Messiah. And I don't know if you've ever failed at something, but man, when Jesus is with you, there's no, there's no option of failing. And now Jesus grabs him by the hand and he wants to show Peter, Peter, on your own you cannot do this, but Peter, with me, you can do all things, Peter. Peter, if, if you just keep your eyes on me and, and you understand that if you hold my hand and, and, I, and I can walk with you through this, Peter, you'll have victory, Peter. If you could just understand, Peter, that you could do some things on your own, but Peter, at one point, you're going to get tired and weary and you can't do it on your own. But Peter, if you look unto me, Peter, and you cry out to me, I'll grab you by the hand, Peter, and we'll walk back together and I'll show you my glory and I'll show the disciples my glory too and we'll walk on this thing that you failed on before that moment he picks us up and walks back together I want to give you the answer this morning the purpose of your process you've gotten your five points right you've gotten your five points now here's your answer the purpose to your process is to walk with Jesus. It's to walk with Jesus. That's what it is. It's to walk with Jesus. What's your purpose in this whole thing? To walk with Jesus, man. 
hand in hand with Jesus. And the five points that we've gone through. Let me hear number one. If you got it, number one. The process can be dark, not when Jesus is with you. Not when you're walking with Jesus, Betsy, absolutely not. What's point number two What we talked about? Not when Jesus is with you. Not when you're holding his hand and you're walking with him. There's no scary moments. The next one. Oh, man. When Jesus is with you, you get the revelation of who he is. The next one. The process can be challenging. What about when you're with Jesus? It isn't challenging when you're with Jesus. And the last one. It's an intimate moment when you're with Jesus. What's your purpose in this whole thing of life, this whole process, the middle of the story, that you walk with Jesus, that you walk with Jesus. I want to encourage you today that you may be going through a process that you're considering it's way too much for me. I just, right now, this is too much for me. I don't, this storm right now is something that, that I feel is going to break me. I think that this storm is going to be the end of me. This process is something I cannot handle. I want to let you know today that you, not, you must invite Jesus in. Come on, let, you, you must say, Lord, save me. I, I, your spirit say, Lord, save me in this moment. Let me walk with you. Grab me by the hand and let me be with you, Jesus. Let me be with you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Amen. Can you stand up with me, please, if you can? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for such a beautiful day that you've given us, Lord. Such a beautiful moment here at our nest and such a beautiful moment in, our, in your presence, Lord. You've spoken to our hearts today. Lord, I'm sure that in this room, many of us could give testimony of the of certain processes in our lives. And I believe that in those testimonies, we would see growth in them if we're still here. There was something that has happened and now we've matured in it. Because if it wasn't for the process, some of those points that would have never grown and developed in my life if the process had not come. So many of us could give testimony of that and what that looks like. But our lives are a continual process. Because the truth is, is we have not made it. We're just making it. Until we be with you, until we're with you, Lord. Scripture says that our sanctification is not just that one found in one place, but our sanctification continues. Just as glory to glory moves on or strength to strength moves on, I believe that that work of sanctification or that work from glory to glory and from strength to strength, it's through that process in our lives. So Lord, for the one that has gone through the process, I thank you because they've made it. The Bible even says that we go through the fire, but we come out as refined gold. 
if it was not the process of the fire, we would not have the value of the gold. So what brings value to us is the fire. Because the process of the fire melts away through the revelation, through the challenges, through all the points that we said. It begins to melt away all the impurities of ourselves and it begins to lift up the purity of Christ in us so that we would become refined gold. And Lord, for the one that is in a process, maybe tomorrow will enter a process that they would keep this word close to their heart and that they would know, Lord God, that the call on their lives is not to go under, but the call in their lives is always to get over. That this process is to make them and build them and to mature them. It's not to destroy them, to sink them, and to do away with them. So, Lord, we pray. Thank you, Lord God, for the process sometimes while we are in it. We do not understand it. Sometimes it's hard to see the end result. But we thank you for the process because in it, Lord God, in pain and in all the things and all the challenges and everything, Lord God, that the process brings, Lord God, you are doing a great and mighty work, Lord God. And through it and in it all, Lord God, we are displaying the image of Christ that in every process in my life that I would come out, it, out of it, Lord God, displaying the image of Jesus Christ, that I will be a bearer of the glory of God, that I will live, Lord God, to be a righteous son of the most beloved, the most high God, the I am of I am. Hallelujah. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this Sunday. Thank you for the process that was the process that is today and even the process that will come. Because today in this word of process, we could hold on to your promise. Thank you because your promise takes me through all the process of my life church I speak that over you thank you because the promise takes you through all the process in your life for your promises are yes and amen we praise you and it's in Jesus name and together let's give God some praise he's worthy we say amen and amen glory to